Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Welcome back. So in the last episode, I mentioned the tax advantages of investing in real estate. Today, I'm going to dive into some of those tax advantages. The IRS put real estate investors in three categories for tax purposes. The default is passive investor, which allows deduction of passive losses against your passive income. The category of active investor allows you to deduct an additional $25,000 of your real estate losses against your ordinary income. But this deduction phases out when your adjusted gross income moves past the $100,000 mark for a single individual or at $150,000 for a married couple filing jointly. So most physicians and high-earning professionals don't qualify. Getting active investor status is easy. You just need to be involved in making decisions about your real estate investments. You're not required to make any special election on your tax return. The real estate professional status is a third category. The best tax advantages go to someone who can qualify for real estate professional status, also called REPS. REPS is simply a designation for tax purposes. You don't need any specific qualification, certification, or license to qualify for REPS. Achieving REPS allows an individual to take their passive losses from real estate and offset active W-2 or 1099 income. Losses? I thought we want to make money with our real estate investments. The crazy thing about real estate is that you can have positive cash flow, meaning you are making money from the property, but still show a paper loss. You pay taxes on net income, meaning the income minus the expenses. With real estate, you can have expenses or losses that you didn't actually pay for. The best example of this is depreciation. The IRS tax code allows you to depreciate real estate property, which creates a passive loss. Depreciation is the reduction of the value of an asset over time. Many things lose value over time, but real estate in general is an asset that tends to appreciate over time. However, the IRS allows depreciation of a rental property. If you own a property that is expected to last for more than a year, and that you use the property for your business or as an income-producing activity. The property has a determinable, useful life, meaning it's something that wears out, decays, gets used up, becomes obsolete, or loses value from natural causes. Land is not considered depreciable because it does not get used up. Basically, the IRS is allowing you to take a tax deduction on the reduction of value of the components of the building of real estate. There are different methods of depreciation, of which I won't go into all of the details. But there is one specific method of depreciation that is worth discussing. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 included a form of accelerated depreciation called bonus depreciation. It allows you to take 100% of the accelerated benefit and use it all in the first year of ownership. 2022 is the last year of 100% bonus depreciation. In 2023, it reduces to 80% and then continues to reduce by 20% each year until it gets phased out in 2027. 
Bonus depreciation allows real estate investors to generate a large amount of passive losses in the first year of purchasing real estate. In order to do bonus depreciation, you will need to get a cost segregation study. If you have rep status, you can now apply those passive losses against your non-passive income, giving you significant tax savings. To better illustrate, let me give you an example. Let's say my husband, who's a high school teacher, takes a year off from teaching. During that year, we buy multiple rental properties that has a value of around $1 million, for which my husband manages the rehab and does all the property management so that he puts more than 750 hours working on the real estate. He then goes back to teaching in September, but he only spends about 500 hours as a teacher over the last four months of the calendar year. So this would allow him to qualify for reps. With bonus depreciation, let's say the $1 million of property allows for about $250,000 of passive losses. For this example, we'll use me as an employed physician with a W-2 income of $230,000. And we'll say that my husband earns $20,000 for the four months of teaching. So that's a combined of $250,000 of W-2 income. The $250,000 of passive losses from the bonus depreciation can then be applied against our combined non-passive income of $250,000, leaving no taxable income for the year. That's a tax savings of $54,497 at the tax rates for 2021. This would also work well if one spouse doesn't work at all, but it is possible if a spouse does work part-time just as long as they work more hours on the real estate than they do on their part-time job. There is a minimum of 750 hours. So if someone doesn't have a job at all, you do need to put at least 750 hours in. So how do you qualify for real estate professional status? According to IRS section 469C7, quote, you qualify as a real estate professional for the year if you meet both of the following requirements. More than half of the personal services you performed in all trades or businesses during the tax year were performed in real property trades or businesses in which you materially participated. You performed more than 750 hours of services during the tax year in real property trades or businesses in which you materially participated. Don't count personal services you performed as an employee in real property trades or businesses unless you were a 5% owner of your employer. You are a 5% owner if you owned or are considered to have owned more than 5% of your employer's outstanding stock, outstanding voting stock, or capital or profits interest. End quote. These tests apply annually for each calendar year. This means that you may qualify for real estate professional status in some years, but not in other years. As a result, you can have some real estate activity generate passive losses in some years and non-passive losses in other years. If you have passive losses from a previous year and then you get reps the next year, you can't convert those passive losses now to non-passive losses. So what does it actually mean to materially participate? Well, according to the IRS, you materially participated in a trade or business activity for a tax year if you satisfy any of these following tests. And again, this is quoted out of the IRS tax code. One, 
You participated in the activity for more than 500 hours. Two, your participation was substantially all the participation in the activity of all individuals for the tax year, including the participation of individuals who don't own any interest in the activity. Three, you participated in the activity for more than 100 hours during the tax year, and you participated at least as much as any other individual, including individuals who don't own any interest in the activity for the year. Four, the activity is a significant participation activity, and you participated in all significant participation activities for more than 500 hours. A significant participation activity is any trade or business activity in which you participated for more than 100 hours during the year and in which you didn't materially participate under any of the material participation tests other than this test. See significant participation passive activities under recharacterization of passive income later. Five, you materially participated in the activity other than meeting this fifth test for any five, whether or not consecutive, of the 10 immediately preceding tax years. Six, the activity is a personal service activity in which you materially participated for any three, whether or not consecutive, preceding tax years. Any activity is a personal service activity if it involves the performance of personal services in the fields of health, including veterinary services, law, engineering, architecture, accounting, actuarial science, performing arts, consulting, or any other trade or business in which capital isn't a material income-producing factor. Seven, based on all the facts and circumstances, you participated in the activity on a regular, continuous, and substantial basis during the year. End quote. You only have to meet one of these seven tests of material participation. So when it comes to real estate, the IRS is a little bit vague on what constitutes as material participation. So per the IRS, quote, a real property trade or business is a trade or business that does any of the following with real property, develops or redevelops it, constructs or reconstructs it, acquires it, converts it, rents or leases it, operates or manages it, end quote. The IRS does talk a little bit more about what some of these are. So again, quoting from IRS tax code that I found on the website, real property development. Real property development is a trade or business that includes the maintenance and improvement of raw land to make it suitable for subdivision, further development, or construction of residential or commercial buildings. Also included in real property development is the establishment, cultivation, maintenance, or improvement of timberlands. Real property redevelopment. Real property redevelopment is a trade or business which includes demolition, deconstruction, separation, and removal of existing buildings, landscaping, and infrastructure and a parcel of land to return the land to a raw condition or otherwise prepare the land for new development or construction or for establishment, cultivation, maintenance, or improvement of timberlands. Real property operations. Real property operations involve handling the day-to-day -day operations of a trade or business relating to the maintenance and occupancy of the real property affecting its ability or functionality by direct or indirect owner. The real property must be used 
or held to use by customers and payments received must be principally for the customer's use of the property and not for the provision of other significant or extraordinary personal services. Real property management. Real property management involves handling the day-to-day operations of a trade or business relating to the maintenance and occupancy of the real property affecting its ability or functionality by a professional manager. The real property must be used or held to use by customers and payments must be principally for the customer's use of the property and not for the provision of other significant or extraordinary personal services. A professional manager is a person who is not a direct or indirect owner of the real property or properties and who is responsible for, on a full-time basis, management and oversight of the real property or property. End quote. So all this can be found at www.irs.gov slash publications slash P925. So while it's possible to work 750 hours on a single property if you're doing a significant rehab, it's generally difficult to get 750 hours on each of your properties, especially if you have multiple properties. The solution is to elect to treat your various rentals and other properties as a single activity, which is called making the aggregation election. Aggregation does have some downsides. If a property generates net income, then the income will be deemed as non-passive, which is less than desirable. It may also limit your passive losses in a certain property when you sell. That's why it's important to work with a tax professional who is well-versed in real estate investing. If you are audited, the burden is on you, the person claiming reps, to prove that you actually qualify for this status. The best way to prove all of this is to really keep good track of your time that you spend on real estate management and relevant work. You probably want to keep some kind of timesheet with dates, times, and what activities you engaged in that were related to real estate. There is an app called Reps Tracker that can help you with this tracking. You could also consider using something like Google Calendar or any other kind of calendar to record all the time you spend working on real estate. Consider having a separate email address and phone number for when you're working in real estate so that you can aggravate all that activity together. You can get a separate phone number through Google Voice, and it's easy to make another email address with Gmail or whatever email server you like to use. Now that you've heard all this, you may be excited to think how much money can be saved by having rep status, but you and your spouse both work full time, and it's really not possible for either of you to actually achieve reps. Is there another way you can use real estate to lower your taxes? Well, there actually is. What's been called the short-term rental loophole is another way to use real estate losses to offset earned income that doesn't require you to actually be a real estate professional. This can be found in tax code under regulation section 1.469-1TE32ia. This defines exceptions to the definition of rental activity. Another phrase from the IRS is, quote, with short-term rentals, the activity is treated like a business and taxpayer must materially participate to deduct losses, end quote. So there are six ways in which income for a property is excluded from the definition of rental activity and thus not automatically passive. And these are, again, straight from the IRS code. Number one, the average period of customer use for the property is seven days or less. 
Number two, the average period of customer use for such property is 30 days or less, and significant personal services are provided by or on behalf of the owner of the property in connection with making the property available for use by customers. This could include services like a hotel would provide, such as daily cleaning or meals. Number three, extraordinary personal services, same as above, are provided by or on behalf of the owner of the property in connection with making such property available for use by customers without regard to the average period of customer use. Number four, the rental of such property is treated as incidental to a non-rental activity of the taxpayer. Number five, the taxpayer customarily makes the property available during defined business hours for non-exclusive use by various customers. Number six, the provision of the property for use in activity conducted by a partnership, S-corporation, or joint venture in which the taxpayer owns an interest is not a rental activity. End quote. What most people will do is to try to buy a short-term rental towards the end of the year, then they either meet the material participation rules by working on the property for more than 100 hours and more than anyone else, or by doing substantially everything until the end of the year. The 100 plus hours may be cleaning the property, buying furniture, getting the property set up, and coordinating with guests. To qualify as a short-term rental, you must actually have customers or guests use the property before the end of the year. Then using bonus depreciation will generate a larger paper loss on the short-term rental business, which can then offset non-passive income. As with reps, you want to carefully track your hours in the case of an audit. So one last point. Depreciation is primarily a tax deferral strategy. In other words, investors can typically defer taxes for the time that they own the properties because of depreciation. When the property gets sold, the tax on the depreciation recapture will then be due. Currently, the tax rate on depreciation recapture is 25%. Another tax strategy, called the 1031 exchange, can be used to continue to defer taxes upon the sale of an investment property by using the proceeds from the sale to buy a new investment property. With smart tax planning, taxes can actually be deferred until the death of the owner, at which time the heirs inherit the property with a step-up in basis, avoiding paying any depreciation recapture tax. This just shows how strong real estate investing can be in order to build wealth and decrease taxes. So there you have it. I know that was a dense episode. If you decide to go for reps, or use the short-term rental loophole, please speak to your CPA first. Make sure that you have a CPA that is well-versed in the tax code regarding real estate. Different CPAs had different interpretations of the tax code, including what counts as material participation hours. As a reminder, I am not a CPA, which is one of the reasons I chose to read the tax code as it is written for much of this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to join me next week for another episode of the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. 
I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician. Thank you.